I'm very thankful that to have the opportunity to fill in for Brother Randy while he's away in a gospel meeting. I appreciate being asked to do that. Do the Ten Commandments apply today? I got the idea for this lesson when Geneva's cousin asked her, they were talking about the Bible, and she said since the Old Testament doesn't apply anymore, are the Ten Commandments found in the New Testament? The statement has been made concerning the Lord's Church that we do not believe in the Old Testament. That statement is incorrect. Without the Old Testament, we wouldn't have any of the prophecies concerning the coming of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. We wouldn't have any way of knowing whether or not he fulfilled each of these prophecies. The Bible plainly teaches us that we no longer live under the Old Testament law. That is the proper statement. Not that we don't believe in the Old Testament. We simply do not live under the Old Testament law anymore. As Brother Jeremy read for us in Romans 15:4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Paul was talking about the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. In Galatians 3, 24 and 25, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. In Luke 16, 16, it says, The law and the prophets were unto John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. Matthew said, well, Jesus said in Matthew 5:12, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. The entire book of Hebrews teaches us that we now live under a better covenant than those did under the old law of Moses. Under the old law, there was no forgiveness of sins. Our sins were always remembered. In Hebrews 8, 6, and 7, it says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Hebrews 10, 3, and 4, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So we see that we do live under a better covenant, the law of Christ, than those who lived under the old Mosaical law. As I said, Geneva's cousin asked her, are the Ten Commandments found in the New Testament? Do the Ten Commandments still apply to us today? The best way to answer any question concerning the Bible is to go to God's Word and to see what it teaches concerning the question that was being asked. 
So for the remainder of the lesson, I'd like for us to look in God's word to see if indeed the Ten Commandments can be found in the New Testament. And if so, do they still apply to us today as the church? Jesus said in Matthew 13, 52, Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto an householder which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. We know that certain things in the Old Testament can be found in the New Testament. And by that I mean sin. If God said something was a sin in the Old Testament, it's still a sin in the New Testament. The Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 17. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear false witness. The first of these commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, go hand in hand. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God demands first place in our lives. He will not accept second place. Is this commandment found in the New Testament, in Luke 4, 8, we see that we are to worship God and to serve him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. God must be first in our lives. If God's not first, then we worship him in vain. He will not accept second place. And although we generally do not make statues or graven images and worship them today, we still can be guilty of worshiping idols. If we let anything come between us and God, that in effect becomes a graven image to us. That becomes our God. Anything that's more important to us than God and the church is an idol. Jesus taught us in Luke 14, 26, that if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus is not teaching that we're to hate people. Hate is a sin. The Bible makes that very clear. He's simply teaching that we cannot let anything come between us and God. In Matthew 10, 37, Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
We cannot let our families come before God. We cannot let material things come before God. Things such as wealth, fame, sporting events. There's some who will not attend the service of the church on Super Bowl Sunday. The Super Bowl is more important than God. Football is their God. Football is their graven image. You know, even knowledge can become a God to us if we let it. Acts 17.21 says, For all the Athenians and strangers which were with them spent their time in nothing else but to either tell or hear some new thing. We cannot worship God in spirit and in truth if we put something else before him. We, can't, we must have no other gods except the Lord God, and we must not let anything become a graven image unto us. The third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I truly believe that this commandment here will send more people to the place of eternal punishment than any other thing. All you have to do is be out in public and you can see this is very, very prevalent. People are all the time using God's name without even realizing they're taking it in vain. And we all know the curse words that profane God's name and even the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. But the worst part is people who claim to be Christians and others, they use God's name lightly and irreverently. They just casually toss it out. The phrase, in vain means to use profanely, to use lightly, to use irreverently. Vain means having no real value, worthless, empty, idle, or hollow, according to Webster's New World Dictionary. Everywhere you go, somebody, every day, takes God's name in vain. All of us have heard such phrases as, good God, oh my God. Somebody asks a person a question, they'll say, oh Lord, yes, oh Lord, no, or for Christ's sake. That's taking God's name in vain. There are other words that are not so prevalent, but I hear used all the time that take God's name in vain, such as doggone, dadgum, things such as this. They are actually slang words for the profanity that is used by God's name. People do that all the time, and they do it through ignorance. But Luke tells us in Acts 17.30 that God used to overlook ignorance but now he commands everybody to repent. 
Exodus 20, verse 7, says that the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We have to be on our toes every day to make sure that we don't let something like this slip out of our tongue. We should teach others when we hear them doing this. Matthew 5.37 says that we're to let our communication be yea for yea and nay for nay. Whatever more than these comes of evil. We shouldn't have to emphasize something we say. We should be known that if we say something, that's the way it is. We shouldn't have to use God's name in vain. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.29, let no communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that he may minister grace unto the hearers. In Colossians 3.8, Paul also teaches us to put all filthy communication out of our mouth. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Although we do find the Sabbath mentioned in such passages as Matthew 12, 1 through 13, Mark 2, 23 through 28, Mark 3, 1 through 6, Luke 6, 1 through 12, John 7, 22 and 23, Acts 13, verses 14 and 27. It is not in the context that we as the church are to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. This is the only commandment of the Ten Commandments that has changed. We are now commanded to come together upon the first day of the week. The children of Israel were commanded to keep the Sabbath because it says that after God created the heaven and the earth and everything that is in them, he rested on the seventh day. The children of Israel were to use the seventh day as a day of rest. They were not to do any work. We come together on the first day of the week. The Holy Spirit guided Luke to record for us in Acts 20, verse 7. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and then continued his speech until midnight. Although we're not to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, we should treat the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, with respect. Many of us here are old enough to remember when there was nothing at all open on Sunday, on the Lord's Day. That's changed drastically today. People have no respect for the Lord. They have no respect for the Lord's day. We are to come together to observe the Lord's Supper. We're to remember his death, burial, and resurrection upon the first day of the week because Jesus came forth from the grave upon the first day of the week. We read this in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, in John 20, the very first verse of each of these chapters says, upon the first day of the week. 
every week has a first day. We should treat that day with respect and honor. In fact, we're commanded in Hebrews 10:25 not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And I know that there are things that happen that do prevent us sometimes from attending the services. Things over which we have no control. We may get up and truly be sick. Something else may happen that prevents us from coming. There are those whose professions require them to work on the first day of the week, such as police officers, firefighters, emergency response personnel, hospital personnel, nursing homes, for emergencies do arise on the Lord's day just as on any other day. Those in the hospitals, the nursing homes, they need care on the Lord's day just as on any other day. These people are required to work. God understands if something happens that truly prevents us from attending the services or if we just simply choose not to. God understands if a person really has to work, it's necessary that they work on the Lord's day and if they just choose to work on the Lord's day instead of attending the services. Verse 26 says, for if we sin, if we, I've lost it, my mind's went blank, but it says if we don't attend the services when we have the chance, after that we have attained the knowledge of the truth, it is sin and there remains no more forgiveness for our sins. That doesn't mean that we can't repent and be saved. That simply means we have committed a sin and when we commit a sin, the blood of Christ stops taking away our sins until we repent of that sin. The fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. The Bible plainly teaches us that we are to honor our parents. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Again, in Colossians 3.20, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. We are to honor our parents, not just children. Those of us who are adults who are lucky enough to still have our parents, we should honor them. In Mark 7, the Pharisees derided Christ because his disciples ate without washing their hands. And they came to Jesus and they say, why do your disciples eat without washing their hands and do not keep the traditions of the Father? Jesus tells them, you have fully rejected the commandment of God so that you're able to keep your tradition." For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother, and whoever curses his father or mother, let him die. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatsoever you are profited by me, it is a gift, and he shall be free. And you don't let him help his father or mother anymore. You don't let him honor his father or mother anymore. And not only this, 
you have made the commandment of God ineffective through your tradition. We are always to honor our father and mother. This pleases God. The sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. In Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22, it says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, shall be in danger of the council. The word Reka means worthless. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Jesus said that if we hate our brother, if we treat him spitely, spitefully we treat him wrong that that can cause us to lose our soul we are just as guilty as if we had killed our brother if we hate him it's just as bad as killing him every one of us knows that murder is sinful it's not only against God's law it's against the laws of man In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, when Paul lists the works of the flesh, in verse 21 we find murders listed. Verse 21 also says, They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, 19, Jesus said that out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers are listed. John 1 John 3.15 Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. We should not treat our brother spitefully. We should treat him with kindness. We should, if we hate someone, Jesus said it's, we've already killed them. It's just as bad as if we killed them. Revelation 21.8 says murderers will have their place in hell. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. The marriage vows are more than just ceremonial words. They are vows. When we speak those vows, we should have every intention of keeping those vows. When the groom says to the bride that he will forsake all others for her, when the bride says to the groom that she will forsake all others to her, they should have the intention of keeping that. Jesus said in Mark 7:21, from within the heart of man proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications. Fornication is simply sexual immorality. Any sexual activity that takes place between people other than a man 
and his wife is fornication. That includes sex before marriage, adultery, homosexuality, any sexual activity outside marriage is fornication. Galatians 5.19, Paul lists adultery in the works of the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Paul simply saying that of all the sins that we commit, they're outside our body, but when we commit adultery... We sin against our own body, not just the Lord. We sin against our own body. Hebrews 13.4 tells us that marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. In Matthew 27.28, and twin, Matthew 5, 27 and 28 says, Ye have heard it said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That applies both ways. If a woman looks at a man to lust after him, she's committed adultery in her heart. Jesus is simply teaching that we don't have to actually engage in the physical sexual activity to commit adultery. We can do it by just simply thinking about it. We need to always strive to keep our marriage vows, not just the part about adultery, but all of them. The Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. In Matthew 5, 19 and Mark 7, 22, Jesus lists among those evil thoughts of the heart, thefts, thieves. In Matthew 21, 13, when Jesus went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers, Said and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. In 1 Corinthians 6.10, Paul says that thieves shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4.28, Paul says, Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that we may have to give to him that needeth. Romans 12, 17 says, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide all things honest in the sight of all men. We see that the Bible plainly teaches us that it is wrong to steal. You know we can steal from man when he's looking at us the same as we can when his back is turned. My dad sold a man a truck and he gave him a check. 
the check was bad. He knew it was bad. My dad lost the truck and didn't get any money out of him. That's stealing. He intentionally gave him a bad check. Thou shalt not bear false witness. The Bible teaches us that God cannot lie. False witness is simply telling something that is not true, swearing that you saw something that you did not see. The chief priests and Pharisees used false witnesses against Christ during his trial. Titus 1, 2 says, In the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews 8, 16, Hebrews 6, 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for the refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. God does not, cannot lie, and he expects us to tell the truth. He expects us not to lie. In fact, Jesus tells us that lying comes from Satan. John 8, 44, Jesus says, If we lie, if we tell untruths, Satan is our father, not God. Jesus says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. When we tell lies, that makes Satan our father. In Colossians 3, verse 9, Paul says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. In Ephesians 4, 25, Paul tells us, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his brother, for we are members of one another. Lying is sinful, and we are to avoid it. In Romans 3, 4, Paul says, Let God be true and every man a liar. In 1 John 1, verse 10, John said, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. All lies are sinful. There's no such thing as a fib. There's no such thing as a little harmless white lie. A lie is a lie. Revelation 21.8 says, All liars will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. We should always strive to tell the truth, to be careful that we don't tell an untruth. And just because something is true doesn't mean that we need to tell it. You know, we can tell the truth and still lie at the same time. If we intentionally leave out part of the truth, 
Though we have still, what we have said is the truth. We have led someone to believe something that is not true. Or if we tell the truth in such a way that it leads others to the wrong conclusion, though we have told the truth in what we said, we have still lied. We must be very careful. Thou shalt not covet. According to Webster's New World Dictionary, to covet means to want ardently what another person has, to long for with envy. Covetous means one who tends to covet, one who tends to be greedy. <coughs> we shouldn't be envious of what other people have. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6 that we're to be content with the things that we have. He says in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, while which some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We should be happy for others who have things that we like. We shouldn't be jealous or envious of them because they have things that we don't have. We should be content with what we do have, with what God has allowed us to have. For Paul says, we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. In Romans 1, 28 through 32, Paul lists another one of those things where he lists things that are sinful. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers. Verse 32 says that those who do such things are worthy of death. So we can easily see that covetousness is still a sin today. In Ephesians 5.3, Paul tells us, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. In verse 5, Paul says, For you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Colossians 3, 5, Paul says that we're to mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concuspence and covetousness, which is idolatry. In Hebrews 13, 5, the Hebrew writer tells us that we're to let our conversation be without covetousness and to be content with the things that we have. Verse 
John tells us in 1 John 2:15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We've looked at all ten commandments and with the exception of the Sabbath day, which has been changed to worshiping God upon the first day of the week, the other nine commandments can be found in one form or another in the New Testament. They still do to apply, apply to us as the Lord's church today. They're sinful in the Old Testament. They're still sinful today. There may be those here who have never obeyed the gospel. You may love the things of the world. You may not always tell the truth. You may break other of the Ten Commandments. God has provided a way that you can become a Christian. If we hear God's word, we believe that word, repent of our sins, confess Jesus as God's son, and be buried with him in baptism, we then are saved. We've, his blood has taken away our sins, for his blood is the only thing that can take away our sins. There may be those here who have obeyed the gospel and had their sins taken away, but they've not remained faithful. If you have never obeyed the gospel, we'd like very much for you to do so this evening. The elders will be willing to talk with you and pray with you baptize you into Christ if you have obeyed but have not been faithful we encourage you to come to repent of those things John tells us that if we will come and repent of the things that we have done that God is just and he will forgive us of those things if you have need to obey the gospel or be restored back to your first love we ask that you come now while we stand and sing